thing that makes the average citizen puke and look at the system and say, yeah, you know, what's going on? I don't know anything about this man except I've read bad stuff about him. And uh, I, I don't I don't like, you know, I don't like what I read about him. We are more than just one coin. We create the world around this coin. Come. Invention. Come. Hello and welcome back to Grubstakers, the podcast about billionaires. My name is Sean P. McCarthy and I'm joined today by my crack team of hard-nosed investigative journalists. Yogi Pollywall. Andy Palmer. Steve Jeffries. And so we're continuing today to talk about the Pritzker family, uh, this family of billionaires. We just did an episode on our Patreon about J.B. Pritzker. He's a billionaire, the current governor of Illinois. Mm -hmm. uh, and today we're going to focus on his sister. Her name is Penny Pritzker. She's another billionaire, and she's uh, Obama's former commerce secretary. So this is a, a very connected, very powerful political family. Uh, apparently, there are 11 different billionaire Pritzkers, and Forbes estimates the entire family's net worth as $29 billion as of 2016. It's gone down a little bit since then. But, you know, a lot of power, a lot of influence between all these different characters. Too much money, if you ask me. Uh, I will say, Penny, um, looks like she's in a lot better shape than her brother, J.D., who... Um, if you missed the Patreon episode, looks a little something like a grape about halfway on its way to becoming a raisin. <laughs> yeah, JB looks like like he hired the opposite of a personal trainer in order to make himself look more relatable to Chicago voters. <laughs> like, look, if you're too healthy, I can't get a billionaire elected. But if you look like a fucking laid off dock worker, then that can make you relatable in the uh, in the Chicago districts we need. Definitely. He looks like if they did that um, 90s SNL sketch, uh, you know, the Dub Bears, Dub Bull sketch. He looks right. like if they did that yeah. one after Chris Farley had died. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like it's instead of breaking character laughing, they're like breaking character trying to like hold their nose from the smell. <laughs> <laughs> the man looks like he has to see. You see a picture of, of J.B. Pritzker. You can smell the man immediately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. He is a human version of the smell of vision we've been waiting for, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but Penny Pritzker, his sister, according to Forbes, worth about $2.7 billion as of June 2020. Um, we mentioned she was Obama's Commerce Secretary from 2013 to 2017. And there's actually a lot of different reports that make the allegation that she gave Obama his career start. Mm -hmm. Apparently, they were friends in the 1990s when Obama was a state senator in Illinois. She, like, introduced him to, you know, some, some rich people in Chicago, fundraised a lot of money for him. Apparently, she was his 2008 uh, campaign national chairwoman of... Uh, national chairwoman of finance uh, she, she introduced raised... him to the weather underground <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she said uh my friend bill Ayers, if you could just go take a photo with him i think that would be a great idea for you barack <laughs> uh but she raised uh about 750 million dollars for barack obama three Damn. quarters of a billion dollars jesus christ i know so uh and she did that through like big money fundraisers like some small donors as well but that was her role was getting these big money fundraisers to go for obama so you know when you talk about someone like that like why do they end up commerce secretary well obama's given a little thank you for uh making my political career yeah of course you give anyone 750 million dollars they give you something back 
and you know, so we talked about this on the Patreon with regards to J.B. Pritzker, but uh, we'll, we'll briefly recap the Pritzker family history. This is four generations of wealth. Um, Penny Pritzker is the fourth generation inheritor of this money. Uh, the Pritzkers are, they've, they've had their fingers in a lot of different pies, but mm-hmm. most notable is they are the founders of the Hyatt Hotels chains. Right. And, you know, it should be just noted that, like, for example, one Daily Coast blogger has accused Hyatt Hotels of uh, compiling what may be the worst record of labor abuses in the entire hotel industry. Wow. So, you know, pat yourself on the back for that gold medal because you did it against stiff competition. <laughs> <laughs> People that are worse than the Hiltons, the fucking Pritzker family. Right. <laughs> Their sex tape was unwatchable. <laughs> the uh, Hilton sex tape was in uh, night vision. The uh, Pritzker sex tape was in thermal vision. Uh, but so Penny Pritzker is um, born 1959. She's the oldest of her three siblings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, J.B., is her younger brother, and then her other brother, um, I believe Tony, is uh, uh, a Chicago-area venture capitalist and private equity guy. So she's the older sister of those two other billionaires. Right. And I did just want to mention, with regards to her being Obama's Commerce Secretary, she was confirmed by the United States Senate, uh, again, 2013, Obama's second term, by a vote of 97 to 1. And uh, would you three care to guess who the one vote in the Senate against Penny Pritzker was? Mm, I'm not sure. Who do you guys think it is? Ted Steven. <laughs> Steven, what do you think? Sanders? Yes. It was Bernie Sanders. Uh, was the lone vote in the Senate against Penny Pritzker. He released this statement I will quote briefly from. Miss Pritzker served on the board of one of the most anti-worker hotel chains in the country. Workers at Hyatt have been unjustly fired for trying to form a union to collectively bargain for better wages and benefits. Unfortunately, Miss Pritzker chose not to defend those employees. And, you know, I just wanted to mention that because if you go on YouTube, you can actually see Ted Cruz, you know, rabid Tea Party champion exposing (laughs) Obama corruption. You can see Ted Cruz on YouTube interview uh, Penny Pritzker for her Senate confirmation. And this guy slobbers all over her. (laughs) Like (laughs) he he asked her a question at one point, Penny. uh, And I'm going to paraphrase it and his response. He asked her, um, do you support free trade? And then she gives this long-winded soliloquy about, I support trade that benefits workers and corporations and creates win-win environments for all stakeholders. You know, that kind of like bullshit non-answer. And Ted Cruz goes, well, I'm just, I'm going to take you at your word that you support free trade, and I'm going to hope that you influence the Obama administration (laughs) to uh, better support free trade. Wow. And it's just like, you know, just seeing that kind of blatant corruption on display where how do these people who are criminal billionaires uh as we're going to discuss linked to chicago organized crime how do they get a 97 to 1 vote in the senate because our entire political process even the supposedly oppositional parts of it are completely corrupted and captured by billionaires i i will uh amend my answer um so it was 97 to 1 uh so i guess we can assume that ted stevens abstained his vote on account of being dead for three years (laughs) 
One thing I want to quickly mention when it comes to the family member's fortune, Penny Pritzker is number 737 on the Forbes 400 list from 2015. Uh, the other members that in their family that are on that rank, the highest ranking, Anthony Pritzker at $3 billion with, at rank 557, and Nicholas J. Pritzker, the poorest Pritzker, at twelve fifty at one point four eight billion, the total being a little over thirty billion dollars, which is wild. But the thing that's I find even crazier is the newest generation of Pritzker kids and what they're up to. I want to run through real quick. You have Liesel Pritzker Sim- Simmons, the uh, woman that would sue her own family to get a portion of her trust that was stolen by her father. You've got Matthew Pritzker, who uh, joined his sister Liesl in the lawsuit against their father and he got $500 million out of it. Rachel Pritzker, who launched Patriots and Pragmatists, an informal cross-partisan coalition. Roland Pritzker. Patriots and Pragmatists. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Roland Pritzker, who plays bass in a blues band. Blind dogs, smoking. <laughs> <laughs> He races cars professionally and co-founded Germany's Rotec racing team. He lives in L.A. Adam Pritzker. You know what, he's, you know what it means when like a, billi- <laughs> like a billionaire child races cars professionally? It means uh, that kid crashes expensive cars. It's <laughs> <laughs> like among the most expensive pursuits someone should try. Oh, it's yeah. like having an, a Formula One team. Yeah. Adam Pritzker, he uh, is a he works for Assembled Brands, a New York based holding company and General Assembly, a tech education platform. Oh, Andy, you might know him. Uh, Joseph <laughs> Benjamin Joby Pritzker, he uh, managing director at Tau Capital Partners in San Francisco, a private equity firm. Reagan Pritzker, a teacher who has three kids, uh, president of San Francisco based Libra Foundation. Isaac Pritzker. Uh, a photographer who lives in New York, he and his brother Jacob, 36, at one point owned Neon Monster, a comic book and toy store in San Francisco. The store is no longer in business. <laughs> uh, Jason Pritzker, uh, there's only a few more of these. Uh, a soft, he worked at a software company called Converse. Uh, you got uh, Tall Andrew and William Pritzker. They work at a nonprofit. Dana Schwartz, who is a dire- uh, documentary filmmaker who, who created a re- Resilience with her mom, and uh, which was about early life trauma on the health of adults. Its director was Robert Redford's son, James Redford, you know, because nepotism runs in all, all big business. <laughs> yeah. Rose Pritzker Taubert, uh, she lives in Chicago and teaches world literature. Uh, and you have last Rosemary Pritzker, a uh, New York-based photographer, life coach, life coach, <laughs> musician, <laughs> social change organizer, and host of A Show of Hearts, a podcast that features stories of people who have overcome challenges unlike herself. Uh, yeah, and that is the Pritzker f- newest generation that's going to come and take your fucking hotel money. Hmm. How would you like to be one of the ground crew for the F1 team? <laughs> and then like this guy who's just like a blues musician as his main job comes and gets to order you around as the owner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing about lug nuts, man, is they just don't groove the way I like them to. <laughs> okay, wait, here's my impression of a Patriots and Pragmatists board meeting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what if we took the font that they wrote the Declaration of Independence in and we use that to write up our plan where 25 million people don't have health insurance? <laughs> you know, the sad, I'm pretty sure the sad reality of Sean's joke number for people not having health insurance is still lower than the actual <laughs> right. number. That's the joke. <laughs> yeah. My well, my joke, my idea was like, okay, so they're gonna give health insurance to like five million and leave 25 million in the in the in the in the, in the cut because it's 
you know, as pragmatists. <laughs> so when these yeah. these billionaires who have like access to the best medical system in the world, when they debate the fate of the plebs, you, you don't want to give all of them health care because that wouldn't be pragmatic. No. And that is the newest generation of the Pritzkers. Uh, they are all kind of just coasting on money. And honestly, they just they just all suck. They just none of them are really good at much. And, you know, for people that have hundreds of millions of dollars at their disposal, you'd think one of them would do something that'd be like, oh, that's that's kind of awesome. But no, mm-hmm. they don't. Yeah, and like Yogi was uh, mentioning there, um, so Penny Pritzker and her brother, the governor, and all the others, they are, um, uh, well, the current generation running the family is the fourth generation. So the mm-hmm. family fortune goes all the way back to Penny Pritzker's great-grandfather, who left Ukraine in the 1880s and then made his fortune in um, in Chicago, and we'll um, we'll briefly run through kind of how how the family made its money. Um, but I wanted to say for the biography of Penny Pritzker, uh, my main source for this episode was a Fortune magazine article called "The Fascinating Life of Penny Pritzker," and then in parentheses, "So Far" <laughs> by by Nina Easton. This was written in 2014. And this Fortune magazine profile is paywalled, um, and I like to imagine that they paywalled it because they were just so ashamed of themselves. <laughs> like, nobody can see what we wrote in this profile right, because right. it's one of the most slobbering piles of garbage I've ever read for this podcast. Yes. By the way, do our listeners know about the reader view trick? No, we should tell them. Go ahead, Andy. So uh, you see something that's paywalled. If you uh, get about halfway through the page loading, hit uh, reader view it's up in the um it's usually up in the url bar at the far right and uh it'll uh load that whole article up before it has the opportunity to put the little banner over it yep hmm. how long yeah. until pro- how long until programmers fix that uh i don't know <laughs> shit we should have done this as a patreon episode <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but actually, so before we get into this, I'll just I'll give you the first part of this Fortune magazine profile because that explains this entire thing to you. So the piece starts with Penny Pritzker as Commerce Secretary, uh, with the Fortune magazine journalist tagging along, visiting Facebook's headquarters. She visits uh, Facebook's headquarters as Commerce Secretary, and then she complains. Uh, that the Commerce Department offices, because they were build, built in the 1930s, don't have the open office layout that that Facebook Ugh. has. And the quote from the article is, she says, the Commerce Department's offices are, quote, very closed. If information is the coin of the realm, I don't want to have to go seeking it. <laughs> and... <laughs> And the thing is, like, why it's so important that Andy just reviewed that uh, reader view trick with you is, can you imagine how angry you would be if you paid $5 to read that sentence? Yeah. <laughs> just livid that I paid to break the paywall so that I could see information is the coin of the realm by the Commerce Secretary complaining that she doesn't have a fucking open office layout at her bureaucracy. What a fucking mook. Sounds like her uh, speechwriter had just gotten through some of the game of thrones books <laughs> inspired by rr R. martin uh and you know it goes on to, uh, she probably has more in common with zuckerberg than she does with other members of president obama's cabinet like many of silicon valley's elites she has uh, stri- she is wealthy she is an extreme sports enthusiast and a serial entrepreneur with a dozen startups to her name oh 
quote, I love building businesses, she exclaims. It's so cool, unquote. Yeah, it's cool watching other people build your businesses for you. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and then like one other thing, it even the article mentions her predecessors as um, Secretary of Commerce have been a long list of lawyer lobbyists and political appointees, though, to be sure, Pritzker's appointment last year was an acknowledgement of a job well done. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. So they even give the game away that this post is just like the favor that presidential administration give out, gives out to a fundraiser. Mm -hmm. But, you know, no, she's for a job well done. This is totally <laughs> different this time. Yeah, that writer had a that that writer's career must have been on the line in order to write such an obvious fluff piece. Like it's either that or someone had a gun to her head while she was typing. Well, because I can't see someone who would look at that at like a major magazine, just like looking at the facts that she raised seven hundred and fifty million for Obama and then was given the job of commerce secretary. It was like, yeah, it must be because she's so fucking good at business. <laughs> like, I mean, I read that fortune piece as well. And that article does go in length in her workout routine more than her business praxis. Like. It right. literally goes into her Ironman triathlon training more than it goes into how her her astute business skill. In terms of hours spent per day, like considering how she pretty much just uh, inherited all of her money, I'm sure in terms of her day-to-day -day life, her uh, workout routine probably takes up more time than any time she spends in business. <laughs> like she probably spends about three hours a week being like, just having a bunch of assistants come in, give her ideas, and she's like, uh, yes, no, yes, uh, maybe. Let's talk about that again next week. And then that's that's it. And because she's so rich, she just keeps on making money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my editor and I, we sat down, and uh, we made the hard decision that uh, we had to cut all mention of her being the most notorious union buster in the entire hotel industry because <laughs> it was just vital that we got two paragraphs of, on her triathlon training in. The people have a right to know. <laughs> what I couldn't even understand, though, is like, why is this article paywalled? Like, if you're a billionaire getting a fluff piece, wouldn't you be, wouldn't you be like, here, I'll pay you money to let people see this, you know? I, I think it may be to be like, you can brag about the piece to, like, your friends and they can lie to you saying they read it, even though they weren't going to pay for it. And you can feel like, does that make any sense at all? Like, instead of them reading it and being like, yeah, that, that piece of shit article was a piece of shit. They're like, oh, it's paywalled. I'm not going to read this, but I must let her know that. I, yeah, it was really good. A very good insight on you, Miss Prisca. Well, it could be like, hey, you're you're pretty important. So we're going to put this. We're going to make people pay for this. Right. one Because they're going to want to know about you. Yeah, I bet that might have been part of the conditions <laughs> of it being released. Like, OK. You're going to write a piece of shit article that glorifies this genuine monster of a human being. But most people won't read it because it's paywalled. Yeah. They're covering their own asses while trying to suck up to her. Mm -hmm. mm. All right. And so before we kind of go through the uh, the certainly fascinating, the fascinating life of Penny Pritzker, parentheses, so far, <laughs> uh, before we go through all that, um, we should briefly mention just how she got these billions of dollars that she inherited. Um, and it's actually, you know, that's actually a fascinating story. Mm -hmm. um, the Fortune magazine piece does mention that her great-grandfather, Nicholas J. Pritzker, he fled the Ukraine 
uh, in the 1880s, apparently after his family was warned by the Cossacks that being both Jewish and politically active was not a recipe for a long life. Hmm. So he fled, you know, in relation to the, the pogroms in Eastern Europe at that time. Um, mm-hmm. He apparently taught himself English by reading the newspapers and he sold sh- uh, that he sold on Chicago streets. And he went on to found his own law firm, which his sons would go on to work at. I believe he went to Harvard Law. And his sons, uh, we mentioned on the J.B. Pritzker episode, jer- while they were working at his law firm in the 1930s in Chicago, they bought up a bunch of distressed properties in the Great Depression. So the first family fortune is just, oh, we are lawyers at an elite law firm, at a good law firm. Uh, we have money during the Great Depression. Everybody is like forced to sell because they can't afford their mortgage. So uh, we get to buy up properties for pennies on the dollar, and that's how you make a fortune in America. Have money when everybody else is crushed by economic crisis. Yeah, from the uh, Vanity Fair piece on what would happen later to the family, they glorify uh, Nicholas Pritzker's uh, life story in the folklore, giving him the newsboy. So we got a paper route uh, story here, (laughs) and he's a tailor's assistant and shining shoes. And the thing Sean mentioned about uh, uh, learning English from newspapers, uh, the the way they describe it is he taught himself English by translating the Chicago Tribune into Russian using first an English-German dictionary and then a German-Russian one, which one of those things where I don't know if it's fucking true or not, but, I mean, great. He used two books to solve one problem. And so, you know, Nicholas uh, has three sons. Uh, The primary leader of them is Abram. Um, They're the ones who buy up these distressed uh, Chicago properties. And then Abram's sons, uh, Jay and his, his younger son, Don, they go on to found Hyatt Hotels, and Don, the younger son, is Penny Pritzker and J.B. Pritzker's father. Right. So that kind of gives you the, the how the the money passed down, the the quick notes of it. By the way, just a quick tangent. Uh, Penny Pritzker's uh, successor as Commerce Secretary is a fellow by the name of Wilbur Ross, who uh, is not a billionaire, but did lie to Forbes, uh, <laughs> claiming he was, saying he had... Uh, 3.7 billion when uh, uh, which Forbes had to later revise down to about 600 million or maybe even as low as uh, 275 million wow that's how you know our podcast wasn't off the ground yet is he wasn't afraid of the label billionaire (laughs) and the scathing episode we would have dropped about him that's right that's right I did like continuing the tangent I I listened to like 10 minutes of the most recent um, Elon Musk on Joe Rogan and he actually he talked there about how he's like giving away his property supposedly, um, and he says partly it's because the word billionaire has now become a pejorative. So I would just like to say to the three of you gentlemen, mission accomplished. <laughs> yes. If there was any time for fucking loud horns, this would be that moment. <laughs> um, but so with regards to the family history, I actually wanted to um, highlight a very fascinating article Yogi found um, that we didn't mention. We, we missed when we just did on the Patreon, the J.B. Pritzker episode about where this family fortune comes from. And it's a lot of, you know, no hard proof, but a lot of smoke with regards to the Pritzkers uh, being Chicago elites with connections to the Chicago outfit, right. Al Capone's mafia group. And it makes a lot of sense um, when when you look at it. So I, I can we can briefly go through this this evidence here because it really seems like these people were mobbed up uh, when they were buying distressed properties in the 1930s. Oh yeah. 
I think that uh, before we get into this, one of the best things that's mentioned in this daily daily KOS article is actually one of the comments uh, that's highlighted at, uh, at the bottom of this piece, and it's just this guy named Twiggins from 2013. Yeah, I think it's a very apt way of looking at what this person reports on, and he just says, "I have no way of knowing what the ultimate truth is about this individual or any other." or any of the others whose rise to fortune was paved at the expense of many others. What I do know is that there is an institutional corruption that frames laws and dispenses justice in a partial manner, and that is a sickness in our society. The general thrust of this piece may or may not be an accurate reflection of an individual, but it does accurately reflect the society we have built. I think that's 100% apt when it comes to what we're about to talk about. Yeah, I mean... The basic thrust of the piece, and they give a bunch of different examples of this, is that um, there are so many American fortunes that later achieve, you know, respectability and political success, most famously the Kennedys, who start out in organized crime, criminality, you know, some sort of criminal fraud scheme or scam to make and the, the initial— of some of them uh, end with organized crime in the back <laughs> of the head. <laughs> You know, live by the gun, die by the gun, baby. Uh, But, you know, so this is like uh, essentially Penny Pritzker is the person who benefits from her grandfather getting in bed with uh, Al Capone in the outfit. Right. Uh, And so, like Yogi was saying, this is a Daily Coast blogger, um, NB Books at Daily Coast. Uh, The headline, if you want to look it up, is Penny Pritzker is an example of the criminality of our elites. And just quoting from the piece, the origins of the Pritzker family fortune was her grandfather's mob connections when he was a tax attorney for a lot of the people in the outfit, the Chicago mob, beginning under Al Capone and continuing through the 1980s. Um, And he says the details are in Gus Russo's 2006 book, Super Mob. Um, And basically, an interesting thing about this is we're going to talk about Penny Pritzker was involved in a subprime bank that collapsed called Superior uh, Bank. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before that, the Pritzkers in the 1950s controlled Frontier Finance, a loan company in Chicago that one source told Russo, quote, is believed to be the secret to the origins of the family's involvement with criminals. Mm. The president president of Frontier Finance was Frank uh, Bussieri, and Bussieri's brother was the greatly feared, feared collector for the outfit, uh, Fifi Bussieri, who Life magazine in 1969 termed the leader of Sam Giacana's assassination squads. Uh, his Wikipedia entry links him to at least 10 gangland killings during the bootleg wars, um, loan sharking, uh, hanging his victims up off of meat hooks in uh, a Chicago warehouse. And this guy's brother is the president of Frontier Finance run by the Pritzkers. You know, it's so apt for the name, uh, you know, Frontier Finance, you know, hanging people off of meat hooks. That's just how they did finance in the old West. (laughs) Back on the wagon trains, you know, someone didn't pay a loan. It was a meat hooking. (laughs) And, you know, the other part of this is the allegation in Russo's book that Hyatt Hotels, the initial startup capital, came from the Chicago Mafia. Right. Incidentally, when it comes to this article, how the mob gave kickbacks to the unions and how the Los Angeles attorney negotiated with Koshak years later that to keep labor peace, you'd find a corrupt business agent and pay him off. 
Of course, in doing so, the racketeers stabbed both the workers and their employers in the back. Ironically, this was the very abuse suffered by Korshak's grandparents in Kievs. So, like, the same corruption continues, even though they escaped Kiev to come here to escape that. Yeah, yeah, like... So they're going in with the mafia and the mafia will like pay off or threaten a union leader and be like, hey, take this shitty contract. And the union leader will sell the member, the rank and files on this shitty contract. Mm -hmm. And the article mentions this is kind of how unions worked in Eastern Europe, in Ukraine, where the uh, great grandfather was from. Right. And also, you know, incidentally, this Hyatt Hotel busting or union busting at the Hyatt Hotel, these kinds of similar, if not quite as blatant tactics continue there and we should mention the other organized crime connection is the teamsters pension fund uh most recently seen in the hit uh martin scorsese movie <laughs> the irishman as soon uh, as you said teamsters uh pension fund i was like oh we're gonna talk about giant stadium <laughs> <laughs> so um the uh, uh nb books at daily coast quotes a uh piece that Rick Perlstein wrote in The Nation, he raised an even more troubling history uh, incident in the Pritzker family history, you know, more troubling than Hyatt Hotels and Superior Bank. He talks about something called Castle Bank in the Bahamas. According to Russo, who wrote the, uh, the book we mentioned earlier, according to Russo, Castle Bank was the granddaddy of offshore money laundering and tax evasion. Castle Bank was set up in 1964 by former senior OSS officer Paul <laughs> Hellwell, who had become an important cutout for hiding CIA funds. It was also set up by Morris Kleinman uh, of Cleveland or of the Cleveland organized crime family, uh, Burton Cantor, a tax attorney for the Pritzkers and a board member of the Hyatt and Stanford Clinton, a partner in Grandpa Pritzker's law firm and a trustee of the Teamsters Pension Fund, which was an important center of mob finances throughout the 50s and 60s. <laughs> and Russo also notes that in 1972, uh, Hyatt's acquisition of the Four Queens Casino was financed by a loan from the Teamsters Pension Fund, uh, a loan at just 4% interest, saving Hyatt $8 million. Wow. So the Teamsters pension fund gave uh, heavily subsidized loans to mob-connected properties uh, throughout the 50s and 60s and 70s. Now, Sean, I mean, all of this craziness with the mob, the Teamsters, corruption in the United States in the late 70s, this has nothing to do with BCCI or anything, though, right? Well, it's funny you should ask that, Yogi, um, because if you want to go completely insane on this Castle Bank thing, um, Castle Bank... The single largest depositors in Castle Bank, which, as we just mentioned, was working as a cutout for CIA and mafia uh, money laundering, mm -hmm. the single largest depositors were the Pritzker family. Oh. And in fact, um, from the same uh, Daily Coast article, by 1977, IRS investigators had made things so hot for Castle Bank that it lost its banking license in the Bahamas, <laughs> which is impossible. <laughs> So congratulations for your place in the Guinness uh, Book of World Records. Uh, they moved to Panama. In 1980, the Washington Post reported that not much more came of the IRS's investigation because the CIA warned that further pursuit of Castle would, quote, harm national security. What? Unquote. So the CIA is protecting this the fucking extremely shady bank that the Pritzkers are the single largest depositor in. Ugh. And additionally... BCCI, as Yogi mentioned, we did a three-part episode on, uh, you know, famous money laundering operation for the CIA, Mossad, all sorts of terrorist and organized crime groups. Uh, 
Russo, in his book, reports that when, when the Priskers began to develop their Hyatt hotels in Saudi Arabia, they partnered with BCCI. Now, that that bank was good, though. They they were like, you know, they were for the people, you know. When it comes to a bank that was truly socialist, BCCI really got it done. Think about all the money Lombardi made after the BCCI scandal. I mean, isn't that a, a way to power the people, to give artists untoned amount of money and then maybe kill you if you say too much? Yeah, it's all true. But, you know. We, we we don't know the full details of the Pritzker connections to the mafia and organized crime, but there's a lot of smoke there. And the allegation in Russo's book is that the startup capital for the Hyatt Hotels in the 1950s came from uh, the Chicago Mafia. And they grew it into a, quite the property. And we're not going to go too, uh, too much deeper into this out of concerns for national security. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, you know, to back up, Fast forward, Penny Pritzker. Penny Pritzker, uh, her father Don, um, founds the Hyatt Hotels with his uh, older brother Jay um, in, uh, in 1959. Penny is born. Um, they, Jay, apparently, according to the Fortune profile, Jay spent $2 million on an inn uh, next to the Los Angeles airport. This was the first Hyatt Hotel. And then he gets his younger brother, Penny's father, Don, to move out to California. And they build the Hyatt Hotels. Um, they have the innovation uh, to build them near airports because in, the, uh, in 1959, the first jet engine, uh, the Boeing 707, was introduced. And this kind of ushers in the age of jet travel. Sure, sure. So hotels by airports become much more valuable. Yeah, and apparently mobsters ha- now had to connect when it comes to where to stay when they traveled. Yes. Yeah. Please, please know listeners investigate a series of unsolved hits in Hyatt hotels <laughs> throughout the 1960s. Yeah, the Hyatt Hotel set up a special room service uh, deal where they'll send a rat to your hotel to put in the guy's mouth <laughs> after you clip him. <laughs> uh, but so, you know, the Fortune magazine gives kind of a nuts and bolts, very complimentary um, overview of um, Penny's childhood. Her dad is is running these Hyatt hotels. Apparently, she went and inspected the ladies' rooms while she was a child. Her dad inspected the men's rooms. Um, her mother picked out the uniforms. Um, uh, uh, there is like one revealing quote from this because uh, for the article, they interview Penny Pritzker. Um, ap- apparently, Penny Pritzker says, my mother had these beautifully long, sinuous legs, Penny remembers. She'd say to me, you got your father's ham hocks. <laughs> so <laughs> she does remember her mother calling her fat and saying she had fat legs. So maybe that's why she started doing triathlons and Ironmans and shit. Her mom has such a tragic death. Like, the story is that she was, her car broke down and and a driver came to pick her up. And as the driver was nearing the garage, he was like, all right, we're almost here to the garage. And she's like, oh, we're almost here. And she jumps out of the car and her head hits the cement and the driver's back wheels run over her. And this is Penny's mother. And Penny says, I don't know if it was planned. I don't know what it is. But, you know, a family that's this close to the mob that's got a person that just happened to kill himself, uh, very suspicious. I mean, I'm not going to claim any uh, maliciousness when it comes to her passing. But at the same time, you know, there's a handful of suicides that have happened in the Pritzker uh, family. In the last episode, I mentioned uh, one of uh, the daughters of a member of the family committed suicide by uh, carbon monoxide in a garage. And so uh, there are some dark secrets in this family. And uh, 
whether or not it was a mental health issue or something they couldn't live with, uh, the Pritzker's blood is also their own that is on their hands. It's, wasn't she also probably loaded when that happened? Oh, she yeah. Was, uh, yeah, she was... Oh, she, oh, sorry. Uh, she hit the bottle pretty hard. You yeah. meant loaded as in drunk. Yeah, uh, I thought you meant loaded as in rich. <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh, she was real wealthy. Um, <laughs> yeah, the uh, tow truck driver uh, in the... in the She was uh, Herbie fully loaded. Uh, <laughs> he says that uh, he believes she was intoxicated at the time. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I am um, just a chilling tale of a person's death and you know what was you know, so fucked up about it is i read that and i was like oh this is fucked up but then i thought about like that tow truck driver and how like for the rest of his life he was like i just watched a person jump out of my car and kill themselves and my own back wheel ran them i don't know i just like i, I thought oh I, no yeah it's worse than that it, he didn't just watch it he felt it yeah he felt it yeah yeah I, Yogi, you just described why I stopped driving the postal truck when I worked for USPS. <laughs> really? I worked, yeah, I worked for the postal service for like two months, and I quit because you know they just deliver Amazon packages all the time, sure, so sure. everybody has to drive the truck because mm-hmm. you know Bezos has to make his money. So I was in, um, uh, it was in what Sunset Park was where I was working, and uh, my coworker was like teaching me the ropes of driving the truck. This kid, like three or four years old, runs out in the middle of the road. He slams on his brakes, just barely doesn't like run the kid over with the fucking huge postal truck. And I just looked at that. I'm like, I am not that good of a driver. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I will kill a kid if I am allowed to continue at this job. And I quit. And I sucked at delivering mail, so that didn't help either. Wow. The first time someone at USPS quit because he was about to murder someone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, that's why like, I moved to New York is because I'm like, I'm so spacey that I'll just like snap to on driving back home and be like, oh, wow, that could have been like a few dead people. <laughs> yeah. We're- yeah, Yogi's right. USPS would be like, no, Sean, you can murder. You'd fit right in here. <laughs> this is, we have a union. They'll protect you. <laughs> but these tweets, you got to start putting them in letter form if you really want to get, get serious about the post office. Uh, but so as Yogi was mentioning with regards to uh, the tragic death of uh, Penny Pritzker's mother, um, her father also died at a young age. When Penny Pritzker was um, 13 years old, her father was 39. He had a heart attack at 39 years old. And this is the same origin story for J.B. Pritzker, the uh, the governor of uh, Illinois. So uh, her and her two brothers and their legion of servants had to raise themselves basically right because uh when her father died her mother turned to alcoholism she hit the bottle pretty hard uh as was mentioned you know the truck driver uh who ran her over said she appeared intoxicated uh so you know it was kind of a i'm sure it was a fucked up childhood uh but poor people in that situation do not kind of get the same breaks where they have an entire extended family of billionaires to take care of them. They end up in yeah. the foster system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're a kid um, and you're poor and your mom's head gets crushed by a tow truck, uh, you're on the hook for the cost of fixing that tow truck <laughs> right. in America. <laughs> yeah. And the funeral right. costs as well. Medical yeah. bills. Yeah. But so, you know, and also one other thing, mentioned in the profile is that her mother sue you know while she was more coherent mm-hmm. was involved in local democratic po- uh local democrat politics in california she was apparently licking envelopes with nancy pelosi oh. before 
Pelosi was a, a prominent figure and later Speaker of the House. So they, this it's was a, a horrifying image. <laughs> <laughs> this was a connected family. Um, My uh, tongue's so dry from licking all these letters. <laughs> How are you, Penny? Uh, so Penny goes to Another Long uh, Island, Nancy? <laughs> no, no. Penny, tongue's too dry for that today. Uh, Penny, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi says the code work. So, Sue, do you want to get some ice cream? <laughs> and then they enter the uh, the numerical code, and the door opens to the dungeon downstairs. But so Penny goes to Castilla, which was the uh, children are like screaming in the dungeon. Like, let me go. And Nancy's like, we're capitalists. That's just how this is. <laughs> hey, if you were upstairs licking letters, maybe we'd allow you to come upstairs. Nancy Pelosi, uh, Shade Queen, rips up their birth certificates. <laughs> Nobody will ever even know you existed. Do you like ice cream? I have invested in several ice cream companies. Penny Pritzker goes to Castilla, which is ne- next to Stanford. It's a uh, all-girls elite college prep school. Apparently, her dad was concerned she might turn out uh, socially awkward if she didn't learn alongside boys. Hmm. But uh, she got her wish. She goes to this all-girls pe- prep school. Um, she excelled academically. She traveled the throughout the West as a competitive horsewoman, winning the state championship in California six times. Um, and then she got admission to Harvard, Harvard University. Um, and then, you know, as we mentioned, tragically, her uh, mother and father die. Uh, but she, uh, after her mother's death, she graduates from Harvard with a BA. And then she gets a business and a law degree from Stanford University in 1985. And the article talks about, you know, she wanted to prove that she could earn her place in the family business and all that. Um, and it talks about, you know, um, I guess, misogyny from her grandfather, uh, you know, like stuff about how a woman wasn't thought they could take over the family. But um, Jay Pritzker, her uncle Jay believes in her um, by the late 80s after she gets her degree in 85. By the late 80s, she was a key member on Hyatt's development team. Um, she wanted to take over the Hyatt's non-hotel retail real estate portfolio, and uh, her first project was Classic Residence by Hyatt, since named VI, uh, which is upscale retirement, upscale residence for seniors, um, you know, kind of like nursing homes, but elite nursing homes. Um, at age 27, she takes over this division, and Some she the runs nursing it- homes where they have a cure for COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Right, it's like uh, it's the nursing homes where they take the COVID patients and then they uh, ink up their deal with Andrew Cuomo to put them in his nursing homes. <laughs> yeah, but could you uh, dump these people in the in your state uh, subsidized nursing homes? Uh, but yeah, so uh, age twenty seven, she takes over this uh, uh, nursing residence properties in Hyatt's and runs it into the ground. Um, yes. At, after 18 months and half a dozen projects and some $40 million in family money invested, uh, Penny Prisker walked into her uncle's office, declared the project a failure, and offered to let him fire her. Units sat empty as Pritzker, uh, as they learned hard lessons about this new hybrid model of housing. Um, and basically the uncle instead said, uh, no, we just got to revamp the management team and improve marketing. And I guess they did a turnaround. But uh 
She's got a bunch of different business failures that are kind of glossed over in uh, in this article. Um, Pritzker went on, for, uh, Penny Pritzker went on to do a turnaround at TransUnion, which is a credit uh, ratings agency or credit business. You know, she like a, she makes it sound like such like an early on hardship. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but it's like it. She blew forty million. Like that's <laughs> yeah. Considering <laughs> what her net worth probably was, that's sort of like if you have ten thousand dollars and like. Your big business failure is blowing 500. <laughs> yeah, seriously, though. But, I mean, imagine the capacity to fail with that level of capital. I can fail $40 million worth of... Man, I'd love to be able to start a business and then blow it on $40 million just worth of cool shit and be like, sorry, that business went belly up, but I am still a billionaire. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. I blew the family business. I bought a PlayStation and... Uh... <laughs> Uh, you can fire me if you want <laughs> it would only take like a couple of consoles a couple of 4k tvs to blow the Grubstaker's patreon budget <laughs> yeah no but like that's a real profile in courage walking into your uncle's office and saying you can fire me if you want to <laughs> <laughs> this right. is the kind of leadership skills you need to become commerce secretary um but after that, she does a turnaround at TransUnion, which is a uh, like credit rating agency like Experian. You know, they give you your credit score, basically. Uh, mm -hmm. It was bought out. It was uh, held by the Marmon Group, which um, was the, uh, the holding group of the Pritzker family's uh, various properties. Hyatt Hotels is the most famous, but they were involved in, you know, everything. Right. Uh, and it should just be noted about this credit reporting agency, TransUnion. Uh, numerous lawsuits relating to incorrect information on credit reports have uh, been filed against it. Uh, uh, one um, uh, litigant claimed that after six years of contacting TransUnion and explaining that information was incorrect on their credit report, after six years there was no change to their credit wow. report whatsoever. Uh, they later sued it. Uh, other lawsuits about concealing charges, like not revealing that they're billing people seventeen ninety five a month for holding an account, um, and just general uh, security breach concerns that we've seen in all these these credit um, agencies. Uh, but Penny Pritzker was uh, apparently in charge of the family turnaround of TransUnion for a minute. Yeah, they sued uh, freecreditreport.com for that jingle. They really wanted it. They were like, we love that jingle, and we're going to claim we wrote it. E X P E R I A N Experian Credit Rating dot com. This it this goes to show how inaccurate Arrested Development really is because the real life examples of these like Job's working for the Obama administration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Uh, and then one other business she's involved in, she found at the parking spot chain of airport lots with a, uh, another Obama friend named uh, Martin Nesbitt. Um, apparently, uh, she developed the IM Pell-designed Hyatt Center. Hmm. Um, and then quoting from the article, she gained a reputation as a fierce negotiator. She wrangled a sweet price for a former naval training center in Orlando that one of the family's real estate arms would turn into a community development. Local critics condemned the deal as a giveaway by city officials. <laughs> so her reputation as a fierce negotiator was her family bribed some fucking corrupt Orlando politicians to get a sweet real estate deal. Um, and then that kind of brings you up to, um, Penny or sorry. Yeah. Penny and her, um, Penny takes over as a triumvent. 
they take over the family. So just to kind of run through this again, Nicholas is the founder. Then his son, Abram, is kind of the leader. Then um, Jay, his son, Penny's uncle, is the leader. Jay dies in 1999, and he leaves it to um, Tom, Nick, and Penny. Um, yeah, so his eldest son, Tom, his cousin, Nick, and Penny take over the family fortune and run it, the three of them. And this is where there's a Vanity Fair profile we mentioned on the J.B. Pritzker episode from 2003. At this point, the family kind of breaks down into various lawsuits because numerous members, or a few members of the family accuse these three, including Penny, of looting the family fortune and trying to cut them out of the family fortune. Yeah, from the uh, Vanity Fair piece to uh, really hit the nail on the head of the lawsuit, uh, there w- the, there's one family, Robert, uh, Bagley, Robert, and then his two two children, Liesel and Matthews. And Robert was getting a divorce. And Liesel? He, yeah, Liesel. his name is L-I-E-S-E-L. And, I mean, honestly, I think a good chunk of the reason she sued her family for the money was because of that stupid fucking name. Um, <laughs> right. No, that was what she claimed. She tried to cut him out of the will by like claiming she didn't know how to spell the name. <laughs> it's like there's like three L's, right? Right. Four L's. So from this Vanity Fair piece, uh, it talks about that she detested Robert. Bagley would refer to him as Jew pig and a manipulative Jew. Bagley has denied these allegations. Uh, by the spring of '94. <laughs> This is, I think, the lawyer no. for the case is of the divorce case is talking about the like feud between uh, people here. I'm just trying to articulate what led up to the two children suing uh, the family for the net worth. Um, Wait, the lawyer was calling the kids Jew pig, or Penny was? No, Cause no, no, because this is a little self-hating. According to Robert's filing, his children had been turned against him by their mother and stepfather. Oh, that's what it is. Sorry. It's the Hmm. stepfather that's making those uh, uh, anti-Semitic comments about uh, Robert and and their family. Um, But that's kind of an oxymoron, like Jew pig. I mean, they're they're, (laughs) they're unclean. They don't actually eat pigs. I mean, like, there's a couple of uh, insensitive racial comments. There's no kosher pig. (laughs) Uh, At one point... Uh, sh- the 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 wife the wife in question referred to Robert's girlfriend as a bimbo and a slope. Uh, Myeri is part Asian, <laughs> so th- this this leads to uh, the daughter Liesel being in a '95 Warner Brothers movie called A Little Princess, and in the movie she was going to go by Pritzker slash Bagley, which was the couple's name that is the the wife in this situation, right? And so this fucking pissed off. Uh, Robert, and he was like, fuck this noise. I'm going to sue the Warner Brothers because they're using the wrong name for my, my daughter to be in this movie, right? And so this mm. is just like general divorce shit that I'm talking about here. But after this, Tom Pritzker and his family attorney, Marshall Eisenberg, who are trustees of the Pritzker Trust, gave up their control of Lisa and Matthews to Robert. So the kids' trust uh, was given to the father, right? And he mm-hmm. emptied the two children's trusts, which, according to uh, this article, was approximately $4.3 million apiece, and donated them to the Pritzker Foundation. And included in that were 52 shares of H Group Holding. Uh, and later on, the H Group bought them from the foundation for $94.2 million, uh, which is more, hundred, more than 600 times their stated value. 
Okay, so all of that shit happens, and Liesel and Matthew are like, fuck this noise, we're going to sue the family for the, for the Trust Foundation. And because of those incidents between their parents feuding over uh, ra- uh, racist remarks against one another and this stupid name thing, it breaks up the Pritzker family uh, empire into separate entities. So instead of receiving money uh, you know, on specific life uh, accomplishments when you graduate college, when you turn 40, and so on and so forth. All of these people now have the hundreds of millions at their disposal instead of receiving pieces of it uh, as the years go by. Mm. And the Vanity Fair piece is uh, is very good. Uh, it really does go through the entire family, uh, Jay Pritzker's uh, funeral in 99, and how the death of... Like, people believing that the Pritzker empire wasn't the corrupt piece of shit that it fucking is kind of dies with Jay Pritzker, if you ask me. So, it's called Shattered Dynasty. It's written by Susanna Andrews. It's a long piece, but I highly recommend it. Hmm. Yeah, and, you know, for the sake of time, we uh, we, we might have to just revisit it later. Again, there's 11 billionaires in this family, so um, we, we can pick up on some stuff. But um, All we can pick up through hard work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, just to kind of restate um, what what Yogi did, the long and short of it is, as we mentioned, Jay dies in '99. He gives these three control over it. One year late of the family business. One year later, uh, a group of cousins challenged the threesomes' control with accusations of self-dealing. Mm-hmm. You know, in the in these filed court papers, uh, the group included Pen- Penny's two younger brothers. So this is why she's actually for a long time not on speaking terms with her two brothers because they joined this lawsuit against her. Mm-hmm. And then there's actually, this is the first lawsuit involving the cousins. And then what Yogi was mentioning, um, a lawsuit by two younger cousins, right. children of Robert's second marriage, follows in 2002. So there's like, you know, it, you could spend all day talking about it, but there's this big spiraling lawsuit and they resolve it by breaking up the business. Eventually, majority control of the uh, of their holding company, the Marmon Group, is sold to Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway and everybody kind of cashes out and goes their separate ways. Um, but I guess this brings us to Penny's next spectacular business failure, which is a uh, a company called Superior Bank. And actually, you know, uh, Dennis Bernstein in 2008 reported, basically he interviewed a whistleblower on financial uh, on financial and bank fraud. He t- uh, told him, uh, the, uh, the guy's name was Timothy J. Anderson, um, and he, he alleges the subprime financial engineering that created Wall Street's meltdown in 2008 was developed by the Pritzkers and Ernst & Young, working with Merrill Lynch to sell bonds securitized by subprime mortgages. So, you know, Superior Bank collapses in 2001 and the allegation is basically that penny pritzker was running it throughout the 90s into the early 2000s and pioneering all of the techniques of subprime mortgage selling that would eventually destroy the u.s economy yeah they didn't uh i wouldn't say superior bank uh, originated a lot of the subprime mortgage and also subprime auto loan securitization mm-hmm. techniques but they certainly became like a big innovator in that and like there's some there's some good articles from the 2008 crisis that look back on what Superior did and say, like, this seems like sort of a framework for what, like, City Citibank got up to right. in t- 2006, 2008, where they would find, they would find, like, uh, AAA-rated uh, debt for mortgage, mortgage and secondary 
sorry, they would find highly rated AAA, AA minus grade subprime mortgage and automobile loans and securitize them with uh, shittier grade ones and say that as it's so diversified that this could withstand, like collectively, this could withstand a depression, basically. Right. Like a lot of, uh, like we were talking in the Citibank episodes, um, the top ratings are usually reserved for investments that they think could survive a depression. And anyway, so they, that was kind of the downfall of Superior Bank of Chicago. Um, very similar to what happened to Citibank and other groups that had these crazy securitizations. Yeah, and, and they they got into they got into a legal fight that um well it, the bank became insolvent mm-hmm. and the Pritzker family, namely J. Penny and Thomas, and another real estate investor named Al, Alvin Dwarman, who was the the fifty percent partner of this bank, they elected not to recapitalize the bank and and save it save it themselves. Um, through the um, what's called the Office of Thrift Supervision's recapitalization program, and instead just let it go under, mm-hmm. and so they got into like a really big fight about with them about okay, well you have to pay back everything that wasn't insured by FDIC because like at the time the maximum FDIC insurance was a hundred thousand dollars per account, and some people had more than that. So like, what do they still need to get something in order to be made whole? And as of 2012, according to uh, the Wikipedia article on Superior Bank of Chicago, some people still didn't have all their money back. And this bank crashed in 2001. Wow. Right. There were, like, different articles written about this. Um, They interviewed some people who put all their retirement savings into Superior Bank, like $400,000. And, you know, um, F... um, uh, federally insured deposits, FDIC deposits only go up to at that time I think a hundred thousand. So yeah. a bunch of different shareholders who put to put above the federally insured limit got wiped out, and paying them back would be pennies on the dollar for for Pritzker, Penny Pritzker. But uh, she, uh, excuse the pun, but she did not. Wow. And from not my- even shareholders, just people with savings. Right. 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 Yeah, it's just deposits. It's not like, uh, yeah, it's not shareholders in the bank or anything. And uh, from my reading, I found out that they lost a lot of money from being sued by AutoZone for stealing their slogan, get in the loan, auto loan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did want to mention this came up during the 2008 They're Obama. Also their, um, they also stole the slogan, uh, we're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wanted to mention this. This came up during the 2008 Obama-Hillary race because, of course, that was happening during the subprime crash. And, and you know, Obama's national finance chairwoman just happens to be a subprime loan originator. Uh, in the Chicago Sun-Times, they were uh, the Obama campaign claims that she stepped down as chairwoman of the bank's board in 1994, seven years before it failed. She then went on to the board of the bank's holding company. Uh, quote, but a letter obtained by the Chicago Sun-Times shows that until the end, Pritzker appeared to be taking a leadership role in trying to revive the bank with an expanded push into subprime loans. Penny Pritzker wrote in May 2001 that her family was recapitalizing the bank, and she pledged to, quote, once again restore Superior's 
Bear's leadership position in subprime lending. She wrote this in May 2001. The bank shut down July 2001. Wow. <laughs> and then my favorite part of the Chicago Sun-Times article is they interview Pritzker's attorney, Kevin Poorman, as well as an Obama campaign spokesperson. Uh, and they emphasize that, quote, not all subprime, pre- uh, subprime lending is, quote, the predatory kind. <laughs> uh, the kind of subprime lending Superior was doing in 2001 was not predatory, poor men said. Imagine being such a shitty bank that you go out of business right before the 9-11 shock. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like this was booming market conditions and they were just doing so much subprime fraud that they still went under. I believe I read that Penny would have to pay a fine. And when asked why she didn't like uh, take it further in courts, she said something along the lines of like, it was like feuding with the federal government after 9-11 is 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 a little it's a bit of a faux pas like her excuse for paying the fine that was pennies compared to the amount that they fucking funneled into their own wallets was that well after 9-11 we didn't want to argue with the government let's just give them their money and and call it a day right (laughs) and like one other thing on this so there's this great article in rebel on rebelpundit.com called pritzker's bank failure investors got paid depositors and taxpayers fleeced um so the history, the, the quick and dirty history, is Superior Bank was bought by the Pritzker family in 1988 from the federal government uh, for a modest $42 million and $645 million in tax credits. So they got, you know, more than half a billion in tax credits from the federal government for buying this thing. <laughs> they It's a fixer-upper. They... Uh, <laughs> they they took it over. They took it over, and they immediately began uh, paying dividends of approximately two hundred million a year to the holding companies. So they took this thing over with all these tax credits. They immediately started paying their holding companies two hundred million a year in in dividends, and then they move aggressively, as we mentioned, into subprime mortgages and car loans. Um, and what I wanted to mention about this is the the Pritzkers are eventually with the crash fined. They're fined. $460 million by the FDIC, um, and they claim that they paid this $460 million, but actually uh, they quote the Washington Times, which reported that uh, the Pritzkers settled with the FDC, FDIC after paying $316 million. So they actually didn't even pay the, four, the full $460 million. Um, yeah. And they also left, uh, I think the figure was more than $15 million of uh depositors who got left out to dry i don't as far as i could find these depositors never got paid back for again what is they got according to the new york times the federal government spent more than one billion dollars on this thing both in terms of saving it after it crashed and giving all these tax credits and subsidies to it in the first place so the fed spent more than a billion dollars on this just gave it to the priskers directly and the priskers can't cough up 15 million for the depositors who got hosed by their massive fraud scheme. Yeah, they the Pritzkers were able to buy uh, a failed bank named Lions Federal for like a fire sale price through this. Well, they got they got this tax credit as part of like it's almost like cash for clunkers, but for failing banks. And so, like, if someone wants to buy them up and recapitalize them initially, they can do so. And like the idea is that you you don't harm all these creditors who who otherwise might have to like take a haircut or, on their deposits or something. Right. But anyone who stayed with that bank under the Prisker leadership still got screwed. Hmm. Right. And so you know to kind of 
kind of wrap up this episode, we should just mention like she's rich. She's in Chicago. Apparently she meets Obama while he's a, um, a professor in Chicago. Yeah. Well, he was, uh, Obama was working at the university of Chicago as a law school professor in the 1990s. Uh, apparently Barack Obama and his in-laws were regular guests at her Lake Michigan vacation house in the 1990s. Maybe she even gave him the idea to run for, for local office or said, I will back you financially if you do that. So she's, somebody who really helps Obama's career. According to the journalist Greg Palace, she introduces him to um, this group of rich Chicago women who call themselves the Ladies Who Lunch. Uh, they, like, uh, they meet on Chicago's Gold Coast, and they eat at expensive restaurants, which, minor correction, on the J.B. Pritzker episode, we mentioned he had a, m- a mansion at Gold, uh, on the Gold Coast that he ripped the toilets out of and said, I got over-assessed on my taxes. Uh, because this thing is uninhabited because it has no toilets. Uh, I said it was at Florida's Gold Coast. Chicago also has a Gold Coast, mm. so I just wanted to clear that one up right. there. Um, but the point is, according to Greg Palast, at these uh, uh, ladies' lunches, Obama meets Robert Rubin, and through Robert Rubin, he uh, gets a big connection to uh, Wall Street fundraising, and Greg Palast makes the allegation that part of how Tim Geithner became Treasury Secretary and Larry Summers came in was Obama at 2008 raised more money from Wall Street than any candidate in history up to that point. And part of that was paying back his connection to Bob Rubin that Penny Pritzker made possible. But so, as we mentioned, Penny Pritzker raised $750 million for Obama when he's running for president in 2008, and he's originally going to reward her with the Commerce Secretary post in his first term, but uh, apparently... Uh, at the, we mentioned earlier, the Hyatt Hotel's uh, nursing homes. Apparently, workers at these nursing homes staged a mass protest in Washington, D.C. about labor conditions there in 2008. So, you know, Obama had relationships with labor organizations that he was trying to preserve to move legislation forward. So he uh, didn't appoint Penny, Penny Prisker for the first term as Commerce Secretary, but when the second term rolled around and he didn't owe labor orgs anything anymore, he appoints her Commerce Secretary from 2013 to 2017. And as far as I can tell, she doesn't really do much there. The Fortune Magazine article talks about her, like, making data, government data, available to entrepreneurs. Wow. So, you know, uh, <laughs> I, think, I think the article even um, acknowledges this, because uh, the article says, quote, the post of Commerce Secretary was mostly vacant or irrelevant during Obama's first term. So now she hangs an open for business sign on her door and travels the country telling companies she wants to help them. You know, all the Obama administration really accomplished, besides all the drone strikes and shit, mm -hmm. was like all they accomplished domestically was making a bunch of websites. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, she gets a placeholder cabinet post as a reward for all the uh, the money she helps raise for Obama. And uh, then the only other interesting thing that happens there is when the Paradise Papers come out in 2017, there's a Forbes article that uh, reviews the Paradise Papers um, and basically reveals that when she became Commerce Secretary, she was required by law to divest any business interests Uh, identified by the U.S. Office of Government Ethics as a conflict of interest within 90 days of confirmation. In a May 2013 letter, uh, she stated she would divest 221 holdings. Her ethics forms the following year simply listed her stakes in two of those holdings, IAS and Triton, as having been sold. According to the Paradise Papers, what she actually did was uh, transferred 
um, her holdings in Triton to a trust controlled by her children. So she lied on her disclosure form and said I'd sold them when in actuality I just uh, did a bunch of offshore trusts and uh, and holding companies in you know Bermuda or the in yeah Bermuda, Bermuda yeah. and gave them to my children. And then they also said, you know, IAS Holdings, Forbes was unable to find little information on this entity because it's based in Bermuda. And this is the way the, sh the system fucking works. You have no idea what's going on in these things. But, you know, worth noting, uh, both her and her brother, J.B. Pritzker, we have no fucking idea where their money is, where their conflicts of interest lie. And, uh, you know, until the law change, we, we never will. Yeah, I have a few more things I want to mention about uh, Hyatt and Penny herself. Uh, this is from a 2012 article from Mint Press News. Uh, in this article, it talks about that Hyatt housekeepers are dangerously overworked and suffer abuse. A study examined 50 hotel properties from five different companies and published in the American Journal of Industrial Medicine found housekeepers at Hyatt had the highest injury rate. In 2011, the Federal Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, and its state's counterparts issued 18 citations against the Hyatt at 11 hotels and three citations against one of its subcontractors. And, you know, they had to clean 30 rooms a day, and instead of letting them use a mop, they're forcing them to be on their hands and knees. Uh, from another source, uh, Interfaith, worker justice it talks about the five things that they wanted from this boycott uh, hyatt is shifting its core workforce to perm attempts instead of honoring and respecting core staff hyatt is replacing many of its permanent long-term employees with folks from staffing agencies hyatt refuses to remain neutral as non-unit workers organize hyatt uh, can choose to be a high road employer, but they are not. And Hyde workers in their union have asked for support. Uh, when it comes to Penny Pritzker herself, the three main things that I think people need to remember is that the Pritzker family business are about union busting, the conflict of interest with a family that has over $20 billion, and lastly, the shady business practices that have occurred at all of these companies. And lastly, what I want to mention is the connection to Jeffrey Epstein? Because oh boy! But wait, Yogi. Before you get to it, all that all that stuff about labor abuse. You know that's some pretty good journalism. But in the Fortune magazine article, the reporter grills her about how many marathons she's <laughs> run. <laughs> she can't remember. Maybe seven. She Ugh. pauses to think. Eight. <laughs> so you know, zero mention of labor abuses and union busting. Yeah, but you got to train really hard for those. <laughs> like, how many of us have done a marathon? That's true. I mean, the marathon, as she describes it, was swimming 2.5 miles, biking 113 miles, and then running 26 miles. If you can do oh, that, she... you can fuck over uh, housekeepers at Hyatt Hotels. <laughs> she um, did an Iron Woman, yeah, and then her right. business practices acted like the Iron Lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to finish out this episode, uh, yeah, the Jeffrey Epstein court records mentioned Tom Pritzker, who was a cousin to J.B. Pritzker and Penny Pritzker. As Sean mentioned, uh, some of the Pritzker family is less friendly with one another, so they don't speak to each other. So both J.B. and Penny have stated that they do not speak to this Pritzker. But come on. I mean, like, right. everyone knows how much you talk to a cousin. Slightly too much and slightly not Wait, enough. Is that one the bassist? Do they not talk to him because he's a bassist? <laughs> I don't think this one's the bassist. Uh, but no. from the uh, Chicago Tribune, uh, it mentions that uh, 
the sworn deposition from 2015 you had 2,000 pages and included uh, these fine gentlemen. Uh, you have Marvin Minsky, the late scientist, modeling scout Jean-Luc Brunel, former Me- New Mexico governor Bill Richardson, former Senator mm. George Mitchell, Hyatt Hotels magnate Tom Pritzker, and prominent hedge fund manager Glenn Dubin, uh, among a few others. Is it just me or is Brunel the guy... Or am I am I getting this right? Or is Brunel the guy who's currently uh, on the run internationally for raping so many people, uh, allegedly uh, with Jeffrey Epstein? And if it's a different person, uh, that means I confused it. Uh, don't sue me. <laughs> no, that's correct. Brunel is the modeling, the quote unquote modeling scout, who's actually yeah. was running a human trafficking operation right. with Jeffrey Epstein. So. If you are connected to BCCI, the uh, offshore accounts in the uh, Caribbean, what is the Bahamas? What is that area called? What, fucking Southeast U.S.? What? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, if you are connected to BCCI, offshore accounts, there's a good chance you were probably also connected to Jeffrey Epstein. Right. Like what we've gone through in this episode is links to the mafia, the CIA, BCCI, uh, Bahamas tax havens, Jeffrey Epstein. So. Really nothing more to look into here. Uh, <laughs> links to uh, Obama, whose mother worked for USAID, which is a CIA front. So, you know, no <laughs> connections whatsoever. There's there's nothing, nothing below the iceberg, everybody. It's just the surface level stuff here. Guys, I just want you to know that Rosemary Pritzker is 36-year-old. She hosts A Show of Hearts, a podcast that features stories of people who have overcome challenges or taken risks to change their lives. So many of the victims of the Pritzker empire certainly have not been featured on this podcast. Sounds like a podcast with six listeners and five advertisers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anything else? I think that's everything. But uh, but we'll see what happens with Penny Pritzker. Uh, she's got a drone start. She's on the board of a drone startup named Measure. Ooh. So <laughs> get, get ready to have your door blown off by one of those when you post a tweet about her in 10 years. Uh, you know, and she's in some other businesses. The Fortune magazine says she might run for office or, you know, do other bullshit. Um, her and her brother, the governor of uh, Illinois, they've got a a, a charity fund for coronavirus so we'll see how much money gets siphoned off of that thing but you know i mean the summary is these are extremely powerful people with shady connections to a lot of shady organizations and a ton of money offshore and uh we don't know if we'll ever know the full depth of their evil their corruption and their labor abusing practices and with that this one grub stickers i'm yogi polywall i'm andy palmer i'm Stu jeffers I'm Sean P. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Check out the Patreon. We love you. Bye. All right, stop your recorders. You're listening to A Show of Hearts, the podcast about finding the courage to live a deep and magical life. I'm your host, life coach Rosemary Pritzker. Twin-dash-dang-gu-kure-kure-kure-ne-hama-shwa-ba-ba-bang-gu.